If you have your Bibles and want to open to Nehemiah chapter 8, we're going to look there today. So if I were to show you a picture of my house and a picture of my family, which is more valuable, the house or the family? Which can make the greatest impact for God, the house or the family? What's going to last for all eternity, house or the family? What is God more interested in building, a house or family? See, these questions are important as we come to this 8th chapter of Nehemiah. The people have finally finished the project of rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. They've moved back into their homes. They've elected government. They've accomplished this great work for God. But there is a spiritual vacuum. God's law has been neglected. There's been no spiritual order. God's word, God's worship, and God's work have been basically ignored. Physically, the wall has been rebuilt, but now spiritually, the people need to be rebuilt. Now, the wall took 52 days to build, but building people... Well, that takes years and years. You know, I'm excited about what God can do with our church. But one thing, and one thing alone is going to determine success here. One thing will determine, in the end, whether the good hand of God is upon us or not. And that is this. Will we have law and order? Now, let me explain. See, even as I speak, we have troops in harm's way all over the world trying to restore law and order. Right? When our founding fathers settled in this country, they laid the foundation for a society based on law and order. Because they knew without law and order, a nation, a church, even a family, will be in constant chaos and confusion. In the nation, our law comes from the Constitution. And order comes from obeying the law. In the church, our Constitution is the Word of God, the Bible. And order comes from obeying it. And so God will honor us corporately and also individually as we honor his word. And we learn exactly how and why we should do it here in the 8th chapter of Nehemiah. And it all has to do with how we as a church and how you and I as individuals relate to this book I'm holding in my hand. And it starts here. We must passionately appreciate the Word of God. In Nehemiah 8, verse 1. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So spontaneously, on their own, the people left their homes in the surrounding towns and villages. They gathered in the square in Jerusalem, and they told Ezra the priest, bring out the law, and that is bring out the scripture, and read it to them. See, you don't know how much that would thrill a pastor, because it wasn't the pastor that asked the people, come, come here, gather, let's hear the word of God. No, it was the people that said, pastor, Will you preach the word of God? Will you share the word of God? Now, why did they place such a high value on this book? Well, see, God awakened within their hearts a passion for his truth. They understood what this book was. It was God's word. They understood who wrote it. God himself. They understood what it could do. It could change their lives for all eternity. 
You see, if a church is going to be a great church, it must be rightly related to God. And if we're going to be rightly related to God, we have to be rightly related to the Word of God. One thing I ask God to give me every day is a passion for His Word. And I pray that for our church as well. We have to have a passion for God's Word. And you can't deny that these people had it. Continue with verse 2. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Early dawn, about 6 a.m., that meant they listened without a break for six hours to God's Word. And verse 5 adds this detail. They stood the entire time. Verse 5 says, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. They were so passionate. They were so appreciative of the Word of God. They felt compelled to stand when it was read. You know, when a lady enters a room, proper etiquette always tells us the men in the room should stand up. They do it in her honor. When a judge enters the courtroom, the people are to stand in honor of the judge and for the justice which he stands. Well, these people had that same reverence for God and for His Word. Now, it's not that they worship the Bible. We don't worship the Bible. But it is in God's Word that we learn about the God that we worship. In fact, this book gives us the only things we can know for certain about the God that we worship. That's why my primary interest is not in trying to make this Bible fit into our church, but trying to make our church fit into the Bible. You know, as I was thinking about these people standing for six solid hours listening to God's Word, it reminded me of a story I heard. Many years ago, a pastor went to Romania on a mission trip. In one of the cities they went to, they stood on the street corners and they passed out Bibles in the middle of January. It was about 15 degrees. And the translator that was with them wandered off to do something. And when she came back, she came running up to him, the preacher, and she said, have you seen these people standing in front of you? He said, yes, but I, I don't know what they're doing. She said, they want you to preach to them. They quickly counted. There were about 73 people who had gathered on the street corner and they were asking that he preach them the word of God. So he preached to them for about seven minutes on being born again and saw 73 people standing in a foot of snow praying out loud, receiving Christ as their Savior. I mean, think about it. How often do we complain if the buildings are too hot or too cold or the weather's too rainy or, 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 or things aren't perfect? And yet these people stood in a blizzard to hear the Word of God. We must also personally appropriate the Word of God. See, did you notice there is not one mention of the wall in this chapter? The wall has become an afterthought. Nobody thought about throwing a party because the wall was finished. No, nobody was throwing a celebration. No, all of the attention moved from the wall now to the Word. Listen again to how it was described in verse 1. All the people assembled together as one person at the square. 
They came as one together in corporate worship to hear God's word. See, coming together in corporate worship, getting together in small groups, it's essential if we're going to grow, if we're going to develop as believers in Christ. See, you can be a Christian and never go to church. But you will never grow as a Christian. You will never go as a Christian without being in corporate worship in the church, without being a part of the body of Christ. Now listen to how the people responded to the reading of the Word. Verse 6. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their face to the ground. Now the word amen literally means it is true. Saying the saying amen and lifting up their hands was their way of accepting and affirming everything that they were hearing from God's word. It symbolized their willingness to appropriate the truth of the word of God into their lives. You know, there are a lot of Christians that carry their Bible, but they really don't care for the Bible. They, They don't get into it and the Bible never gets into them. You know, one of the charges that God brought against his people through the prophet Hosea was they had treated his word like a stranger, like an alien. Hosea 8 says, I wrote for them many things of my law, but they regarded them as something alien. Now in Israel, a stranger or an alien was not at home. He didn't have a permanent dwelling place. He, he could live there, but he had no voice in the land. He had no say-so in the affairs of Israel. Whatever opinion he might have about any important decisions that needed to be made, it was ignored. And God said, in effect, you've treated my word like a stranger. It has no voice in your daily affairs. It casts no vote in the way that you live. When you make important decisions in your life, you ignore my word. These people had been strangers to God's word long enough. They wanted to get reacquainted. And at the same time, there's not much you can do with what the Bible says until you understand what it means. There was not only a need for someone to read the word to the people, there was a need for someone to to preach it. That's why it says here, Nehemiah verse 8, they read the book of the law of God, making it clear, giving meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. I believe that's my number one responsibility to this church. I read to you the one thing we must do every time we gather together on Sunday, and that is to make the Word of God plain to everyone who comes to hear it, especially the unchurched. Otherwise, they'll leave the church like Calvin Coolidge did one time. When he was president of the United States, he came home from church and his wife said, Cal, what did the preacher have to say today? And Coolidge said, well, he preached on sin. And his wife said, well, what did he have to say about it? And Coolidge said, well, I think he was against it. (laughs) See, I love the way Ezra preached to the people because he basically gives them two things. First, he gave them the exposition as he read from God's Word. And then he gave them explanation. It's what I try to do. In fact, there are three questions I always answer or at least attempt to answer every time I read the Bible, every time I preach. And they're found here in verse 8. First, what does it mean? What did it mean then? Or interpretation. 
Second, what does it mean now? Explanation. And third, what does it mean for me personally? Application. See, the Word of God is like an uncashed check or an unclaimed prize until you personally appropriate it into your life. Which raises the question, how? How do you do that? Well, see, we must practically apply the Word of God. Amazingly, after standing for six hours to hear God's word, we read, they came back for more. And an amazing thing took place. Verse 13. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the scribe to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. And that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees. And from myrtles, palms, and shade trees to make booths as it is written. So the wall had been completed six days before the beginning of the new year. And Ezra was reading through the scripture and they discovered that God's word called for this new year's festival or the festival of booths, or the festival of tabernacles to be celebrated. And this feast was designed to remind the people of how God delivered them from Egypt and provided for them in the desert. And it was to last seven days. And during that time, the people were to live in these booths, or what we would call huts, made out of trees. It was the same type of dwellings their forefathers had used as they were making their way to the promised land. And God established this feast as a promise, as a picture of his promise to protect and to provide his people when they followed him. See, verse 17 tells us the feast had not been celebrated since the days of Joshua. For hundreds and hundreds of years, what were supposed to be holy days had just become another extended holiday. Just another reason to skip work and go to the beach or the ocean and climb the mountain or take a break. But now something amazing takes place. Verse 16. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves booths on their own roofs in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God and in the square by the water gate and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The people got busy building these wooden booths and moved into them for seven days. Now it's pretty obvious these temporary booths would not have been as comfortable or as spacious as their own homes. So why would they do it? Why would they build a tent made out of sticks and camp out in it for seven days in their front yards when they had a very nice home to sleep in? Well, there's one answer. Because God said to. And that was enough. Now, did they gripe? Did, did they complain? Verse 17 tells us, the whole company that had returned from exile built booths and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated like this. And their joy was very great. Their joy was very great. I can assure you that joy did not come from living in those tiny booths. The joy came from obeying God. It came from practically applying the truth of God's word to their daily life. 
And see, when we respond to God's word with our obedience, God responds with his blessing. Psalms 112 verse 1 says, Happy are those who delight in doing what God commands. Man, what a difference took place from chapter 1 to chapter 8. Right? These people did not just build a wall around them. They now had the blessings of God upon them. And they were happy. And don't miss the moment that took place in this chapter. God's ultimate agenda for these people was not building the wall. It was building the people. See, if your only vision for our church is tied up in buildings and properties and programs, you're going to miss God's vision for this church. Do you know what God's vision for this church is? Ephesians 4.13 Until we are all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's word, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. God's vision for you and me is spiritual maturity, and that maturity comes from obeying God's word. And the greatest difference we can ever make is to get as many people as we can to passionately appreciate this book, to personally appropriate this book, most importantly, to personally apply this book. So how will we know? How will we know whether or not we're becoming what God wants us to become? Well, I'll tell you. When the people who make up our church put God's word above man's traditions, when they put God's word above, above everything else, when they put God's will above their personal desires, when they put God's vision above their own preferences, when that happens, we'll be happy and blessed. Because then we'll have a church of law and order. Are you ready? Are you appreciating God's word? Are you applying God's word? Has it become the most important thing in your life? Or maybe it needs to begin today. By surrendering your life to God, by allowing Him and allowing His Word to change you and to make you new. If that's your desire, I invite you to come. Stop by the church this week and talk to me. Call me, text me. Because truly, this is the only way we can change our lives, change the life of our church, so that we can change the lives in our community. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we have so much to learn from it every day. So give us a desire. Give us a hunger to read it, to appreciate it. But most importantly, Lord, help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to live your word and allow that example to be in us and through us every day so that others can see you through us. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.